Hi everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, this week, Alice is starting a new series. We're calling it Advancing the Kingdom, and this is as we continue to look at this idea of living like Jesus. So, I hope you enjoy the talk. Hello, today we are starting a new series. Well, I suppose it's a bit of a kind of an old one and a new one, really, because we are um, going, we are returning to our Live Like Jesus series that we started in the autumn. And we're going to keep dipping back into this series over the coming months and years as we continue to look at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, when we say yes to following Jesus, we are called to pursue a lifelong journey of discipleship to him. Now I'm aware that discipleship is one of those kind of church words that maybe is in danger of being kind of overused and therefore we don't really kind of remember what its meaning is. You know, a different word we could use is that of an apprentice. You know, that we are an apprentice of Jesus, learning from him um, what it looks like to live like him. And apprenticeship, as I said, is a lifelong process. You know, we don't graduate it. You know, we are called to be lifelong learners, lifelong apprentices. And there's always that danger in our discipleship that we just stop that we stop growing, that we stop learning. And so as we kind of jump back into this series, Live Like Jesus, I would love just to throw out there this question. How have you grown in your apprenticeship to Jesus this last year? Are you living more like Jesus? Or have you stopped growing? This is a chance to jump back in to your discipleship with Jesus. And this is a transformational process, you know, one that changes us from the inside out and it's all powered by the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit that does this deep work of transformation in us. And our job is to cooperate with it, to create the conditions for growth. Well, for growth into what? Well, to live more like Jesus. But that is an invitation into more life. You know, this isn't a kind of a just try harder, just fail less kind of call to discipleship. It's nothing like that. This is a call into life, the spirit filled life that Jesus offers us as his disciples. And it's one of the easy yoke. You know, we talked about that. Go and uh, listen back if you've got no idea what I'm talking about. But it's a life where we live more deeply, more freely, more aware of who we are, where we sort out our stuff, you know, where we are more full of joy and peace and kindness. And if that's true, if that's what discipleship is an invitation into, then it is worth pursuing at all costs. Now, when we started this series, we talked about how living like Jesus involves kind of being with him and doing what he did. Being with Jesus, being in his presence, spending time with him, abiding in him. John 15, if you want to look that up. Um, And the image I often have in my mind as I think about this or what it looks like is the picture of Mary in Luke chapter 10. Mary was one of Jesus' followers, one of his wider band of disciples. And we read there in Luke 10, uh, we we have the description of her sitting at Jesus' feet, ready to learn ready to learn from him how to live like him, picking up that posture of a disciple and apprentice. And that is what we are called to do, to be with Jesus, to sit at his feet and to learn from him. And there's lots of practices that we can put place in our own life to help us do this, to help us be with him. You know, things like prayer and um, solitude and fasting, all these things. We just looked at um, reading the Bible and how that um, can have a huge role in our um, process of discipleship. And we're going to keep coming back, as I said, into this over the coming years and months and look at many of these in more detail. So be with Jesus. And then secondly, do what Jesus did. And again, this is about putting into place some of the practices and rhythms that we see in the life of Jesus, you know, like hospitality, living simply, loving the poor, sharing the gospel. And again, we're going to look at many of those over the coming months and years. But as we look at this idea of do what Jesus did, 
As we think about this more, I believe there is no better place for us to start than with the kingdom mission of Jesus. You know, the kingdom of God is what Jesus talked about the most. It's what he did. You know, his kingdom message, message is, a, sorry, his kingdom mission is like the overriding practice that all the other ones can kind of fit into, if you like. And so we've called this series, um, Live Like Jesus, Advancing the Kingdom. You know, if we want to do what Jesus did as his disciples, um, then we will take seriously the task or his invitation to advance the gospel. So I'm just going to unpack that a bit. If you flick through the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus's life, um, then you'll see that from day one of Jesus's ministry, he talked a lot about the kingdom of God. It was his central message right from the get-go. You know, after his birth and childhood, after his baptism and then time in the desert, Jesus began his ministry. And as he did so, the kingdom of God was what he talked about. It was on the tip of his tongue at every moment. Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven, which is another way of saying the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then later on, just a few verses later, Matthew says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. So these verses are right at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, but they are a good summary for the entirety of his ministry. The kingdom was what Jesus did. It was his mission. He spent his life on earth talking about it and, as we just read, demonstrating it. And, you know, um, like many of you, I've been reading Luke's Gospel over Lent. You know, I had that 40 days of reading Luke's Gospel and it was just that reminder for me as I look through the whole of that Gospel how much the kingdom of God is in there, is mentioned. You might have noticed it too. The kingdom was what Jesus did. But I think this idea is something that has often been overlooked. You know, I came to faith as a young teenager um, through the youth work at my local church. And um, I had the great joy of being part of that church, which loved Jesus, which taught the scriptures, that championed and supported me in my faith. I'm so thankful to them. But I distinctly remember a moment a few years later, around the age of 18, 19, and I was sitting in this church. It was kind of like one of those kind of Church of England churches with the pews and it was quite cold. And I remember sitting there listening to this preach on one of Jesus's parables. I can't remember which parable it was, but like many of them, it started with the phrase, the kingdom of God is like, and then Jesus would go on and tell a story to illustrate what the kingdom of God was like. And I remember that's how this parable started. I remember looking at this phrase and realizing it was a churchy phrase I'd heard. I'd read it many times over the years, but I actually had no idea what it meant. And the preacher didn't explain it in that preach. And I had that, that dawning realization that I had no idea what Jesus was talking about, none which seems strange because he talked about the kingdom of God so much. You know, and if you'd kind of pushed me to give an answer, I probably would have said something around, oh, it's to do with eternity or heaven or, you know, and in some ways I wasn't totally wrong as we'll go on to look at. But I would not have wanted to give a definitive answer or to explain it to anyone else. Not that anyone actually asked me <laughs> to explain it. Um, but, you know, it wasn't until I encountered the vineyard movement in my 20s that I heard people talking about it, that I was part of a church that did teach it. And, you know, a, a kind of a thorough, complete understanding of the kingdom, kingdom theology, was key to John Wimber, who started the vineyard movement some 40 years ago. And this thinking of the vineyard has influenced the wider church worldwide. You know, it'd be difficult to overstate the impact that this has had on things like Soul Survivor and Alpha and New Wine. 
they, they all came, all those ministers, all those churches around that, they all came from a renewed understanding of the kingdom of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do the stuff of the kingdom. And I said, this isn't just a theology or an idea, it's a fact. It's, it, in fact, it's how we do church. It's how we do ministry. And realising this in my 20s was life-changing for me. It was like I was able to understand the message of Jesus more fully for the first time and in turn to understand the kingdom mission for us as his disciples to do what Jesus did. Maybe your story is a bit like mine. You know, maybe you currently have no idea what the kingdom of God is. Simply put, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. I often have this picture in mind when I think about the kingdom. It's of a scene in the film The Lion King. Um, it's in both, whether you look at the cartoon or the, or the more recent one. But it's where Mufasa, the Lion King, he takes um, his baby lion cub, Simba, he takes him up onto this rock and they look out over the pride land around them. And Mufasa, in his deep voice that I can't possibly do, but he explains to his son that all that they see around them, everything the light touches, is his kingdom. It's where, what, it's where Mufasa rules and reigns, where, where what he says goes, where his authority stands. And that's in essence what the kingdom of God is. It's where what God says goes, where his authority stands, where his will is done. And that image, if you've seen the film of those beautiful pride lands with these, these lions are looking over, it's kind of a helpful image because you know what? The kingdom of God likewise is beautiful. It's beautiful. In the kingdom of God, there is no sickness or death. There's no darkness. The enemy has no power. There's no injustice or oppression. There's no poverty. There's no sadness. There's no despair. It's where the light touches. Everything the light touches, where the light is, where there is goodness, there is the kingdom of God. In short, this is what heaven is. You know, God's kingdom. This is what awaits us as followers of Jesus. But one day we will be fully in the presence of the king and his kingdom. But you know, this isn't just for when we die, it's not just for our future. God's kingdom is for the taking here and now. And when Jesus turned up in Galilee some 2,000 years ago and started his ministry, he declared that the kingdom of God, the first thing he did was declare that the kingdom of God had come, had broken in to that present day. And as he healed the sick and restored hope to the lost and cast out darkness and brought light to everywhere around him, he demonstrated this kingdom breaking in. And he showed us what it looks like when heaven meets earth, a glimpse of the future that awaits us. It was like the future being brought into the present. That's what the kingdom is. And of course, this idea of the kingdom of God breaking into earth had been long anticipated by the people of Israel after their nation, after the nation of Israel, their kingdom, if you like, had been totally overthrown. God had promised them that the time was coming when he was going to establish his kingdom on earth. So when God arrived in history in the person of Jesus and Jesus began proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom in the way that he did, he was essentially saying that he was the king. He was this king and this was his kingdom. This was the moment that had been promised. And of course, as we know, this ruffled a few feathers, to put it lightly. You know, even his most loyal followers questioned this. This wasn't what they were expecting. You know, they'd understood that this kingdom um, would come in a more kind of narrow political sense, if you like. They thought that this promised Messiah would be a political king who would overthrow the Romans who now occupied their land and re-establish um, the kingdom of Israel. 
And there's this moment you read about where John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, you know, the man that baptised Jesus, that saw the heavens open in the glorious way that it did on Jesus's baptism. This guy, John the Baptist, even he worries that there might have been, that he might have made a mistake. You know, John is in prison at this point, imprisoned by the Romans, and he's no doubt sensed that the time for him is running out whilst he's in prison. And he has this wobble. He's like, I don't get this. You know, Jesus, if you're here to overthrow the Romans, then can you do so quickly, please, and get me out of prison, is essentially what I think he was thinking. Have I made some dreadful mistake? So what John does is he sends two of his own disciples, two of his followers, to Jesus to clarify the situation, ask him, what's going on, Jesus? This is in Luke chapter 7. Let's read it from verse 20. When the men, this is John's followers, when they came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So Jesus responds to these men with, a sim with, with not with a simple kind of yes or no. He instead describes his kingdom ministry to John. Just a short time before this, just a few chapters before, in Luke's Gospel, you'll read um, that just before Jesus started his ministry, he had gone into the local synagogue and he'd read from the prophet of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses in the Old Testament that spoke of this coming kingdom. And Jesus read this out. This is in Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So Jesus, in that moment in the synagogue, he laid out, what we saw him doing in that moment was laying out his kingdom mandate, his kingdom mission. He was saying, this is what I am here to do. And that, as I said, was a few chapters before, just a short while before this moment with John's followers. And so do you see how in this moment with John's disciples, he essentially repeats that back to them. It's the same language here of Isaiah 61. He's saying, you know, basically to John, I am this Messiah. This is my kingdom mandate. The kingdom I'm coming to establish, though, looks like no earthly kingdom you've ever seen, John. It brings freedom and restoration to all. This is a whole new ball game. This is so much bigger than the Romans, than the nation of Israel, bigger than anything you've seen. And John, Jesus says, you know, you will be blessed if you stay true to this, stay true to me. So we see Jesus, the king, he arrives in history and he brings God's kingdom with him. He brings the future age that awaits us, heaven, into the present, the kingdom now. That was the kingdom message of Jesus. But he didn't do it on his own. A great proportion of his time was spent training his disciples. He teaches them and trains them in kingdom ministry. You know, they are to be his kingdom apprentices, if you like. And they spend time with him watching Jesus do all the stuff that he's just listed to John, you know, his kingdom mandate. And then comes the big moment. The moment when Jesus gathers in the 12, come here, gathers them in. And then he sends them out to go and have a go for themselves their next stage in their apprenticeship to Jesus, you know, to do what Jesus did, is about to begin. I like to think of it as the kind of over to you moment. This is in Luke 9. 
So when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So Jesus sends them out with a few resources here, doesn't he? With a few resources. This was going to be a venture of faith <laughs> from first to last. And with just a few instructions that they should stay in one place and use that as a base to reach the rest of the community. And that they shouldn't take it personally if, some, if, people, if, the, if the local villages rejected their kingdom message. You know, shaking the dust off your feet there in verse 5. It's kind of in some way similar to the expression, you know, I wash my hands of you. So Jesus sends them off and notice he doesn't send them out without first giving them the same power and authority to act on his behalf. You know, like a king would give an authority, would give his authority to an official to go out and do his bidding to act on his behalf. King Jesus gives his disciples in this moment his kingdom power and authority to go and advance the kingdom, to do the stuff that Jesus had done. And we, we later read that the disciples return full of stories, full of kingdom stories and full of faith. So it ends well. But I do wonder how these disciples felt in that moment when Jesus gathers them together and says, over to you, your turn. You know, for any apprentice in any moment, that's always a scary moment, isn't it? You know, think back to a time where you've started a new job, maybe an apprenticeship or something like that. And, and um, there's that moment where you've been shown what to do. And then there's the over to you, your turn moment. It can be pretty scary, can't it? You know, I remember um, years ago when I graduated uh, from Sheffield University and I moved to Nottingham um, and I was just taking lots of temp jobs um, just to kind of get by. And I did all sorts of different jobs. And one of these jobs involved working in a government department um, in Nottingham and it took mental health referrals from psychiatric units for patients that needed more care. And uh, my job was to be on the phone, to take these phone calls from these units, to capture all the information and then to pass it on to the right people. And I remember being trained on how to fill in this database, how to use the headset and everything, um, what to say and what not to say. And I remember the moment I was sitting there poised and the phone rang and the nice lady who'd been training me saying, your turn. <laughs> and I remember putting on the headset and feeling ridiculously nervous as I answered the call. And needless to say, I totally stuffed up the intro line, I froze the database and the lady had to come and help me sort it all out and apologise on my behalf to the caller. So it didn't go well. It didn't go as well for me as it did for the disciples on their over to you moment. It was a scary moment, though, that over to you moment. They can be a scary moment, can't it? And sometimes it's like we focus too much on the whether it ends well, whether it ends in success or failure. But actually... The key thing is giving it a go. And, and next week, we're actually going to show you a talk by a guy called Jordan Seng called Try. And he's going to look at this idea more about what it looks like to try for the kingdom. A few of us watched this as it was part of the uh, national gathering for the Vineyard Movement in January. You may have watched it. Um, but those of us that have watched it were like, we have to show this to the whole church. It's just a fantastic talk. So whether you're watching it for the first time or second time or third time or whatever next week, um, listen to it and let it speak to you. It's really powerful. So I'm not going to major on this idea too much now, except to say that this over to you moment here for the disciples was probably rather heart stopping for them. And I wonder if this is how some of us feel as we talk about advancing the kingdom. 
You know, the reality is that for many of us that have been around the vineyard movement for a while, that have been in this church for any length of time, you'll know a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about today. You know, the kingdom is familiar territory, perhaps, for you. We preach on it regularly. And it's one of our five values as a church, our five key values, you know, to be kingdom carriers into our communities and environments that we find ourselves in. But I think that there's a danger that we stay in the early um, stages of our apprenticeship um, in this regard. You know, that we're in danger of reading what Jesus did in advancing the kingdom, of hearing amazing stories of other people advancing the kingdom, but never quite doing it ourselves. You know, we back out of the your turn moment, if you like. We learn what Jesus did, but we never do what Jesus did. And I started by talking about discipleship and saying there's always that danger that we stop growing in our discipleship, that we stop learning to live like Jesus. And I think that this um, it can, is particularly the case with this area of discipleship, where for many of us, this feels maybe a bit more out of our comfort zone. I know some of you watching are like, yes, bring it on. This is what I was made for. But for lots of us, um, our, lots of us will feel a bit more hesitant, perhaps maybe more fearful, just not sure. And as such, there's a real danger said that we talk about advancing the kingdom, but that we never actually do it or that we never do it as fully as we are called to do it. You know, this stuff is not just for the few of us that like it. This is integral to our discipleship to Jesus. And, you know, as I read those verses where Jesus sends out the disciples, I always kind of chuckle to myself because it reminds me of a story from when I was living in Nottingham and I did the discipleship year at Trent Vineyard. And as part of this discipleship year, um, we had a chance at various points in the year to lead one of the sessions for the rest of the group. And we were put in pairs to do this. And I can't remember what I did. Most of us just taught something. I don't know, whatever it was. But one pair, they'd obviously just read those verses. And so what they had happened, what they, what they had us do was they had us all blindfolded. So I found myself blindfolded and I was put in the back of a car. I know, weird. <laughs> and I was driven. I didn't know where I was going. I was driven. Um, into some random area of Nottingham and the door was opened and um, I was taken out of the car, blindfold off. I was handed an envelope. I got nothing else with me. Um, and then the person got back in the car and drove off. So I was all on my own. I had no idea where I was. I just had this envelope that I was clutching. In this envelope was a pound coin and I was told that I had to use that pound coin when I'd finished to get a bus back to the centre of Nottingham. <laughs> and you know, to top it all off, um, I had no idea where I was. To top it all off, I'd left my glasses back at the venue, so I literally couldn't see a thing. I had no idea where I was. And I opened up this, uh, this envelope, and in it was the, the, those verses of Jesus sending out his disciples. And then lots of kind of challenges for me to do, you know, to go and share my faith with someone, to pray for someone, to have a word for someone, to write the gospel on a piece of paper and pick which house I was going to post it into. And, you know, if my kind of personality type, you know, if I'm asked to do something, I like to do it well. Um, so I gave it a go. I felt totally outside my comfort zone, terrified, <laughs> totally disorientated, couldn't see a thing, but I gave it a go. And then eventually I got my phone out um, and, you know, this was in the days before smartphones. And so I couldn't just look to find out where I was. You know, it wasn't as easy as that. But I got out my phone. I had a message, a message from Nathan Gilbert, actually, um, who many of you will know because he was the, uh, the associate pastor here at this church um, a time ago. And uh, he was doing the year as well. And he texted me and he was like, Ali B, which is what people called me in those days. Ali B, a lot of us have sacked this off and we're now in this cafe in town if you want to come and join us. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, 
I think I'm done. So I kind of found the nearest bus stop, worked out where, which way was the right way um, to get on a bus and ended up back in the city centre. And it turned out loads of people, much earlier than me, had been like, sack this. And we're all back in a cafe in the city centre. Apart from a few people who love this stuff and were out doing it all afternoon. And I, I kind of share that story here because I feel like that's kind of maybe a good, kind of a good example of the two extremes that we can feel like we're faced with when we talk about advancing the kingdom. You know, doing that <laughs> or doing nothing, you know? Um, and I feel like our comfort zone can feel like maybe small over here. And when we ask us to do stuff to do with the kingdom, advancing the kingdom, it's like we ask you to do this thing that's all the way over here. It's so far removed from our comfort zone. So we just choose to do nothing. But I started by saying that discipleship is a process, that it's a step-by-step -step process lived over a lifetime. So in fact, actually, think of it like this. This is our comfort zone. And when you do something just slightly outside your comfort zone, what happens is your comfort zone stretches and it's easier the next time. And then your comfort zone stretches and stretches and stretches so that you're able to do the thing that feels all the way over here at the moment. But it's by doing it step-by-step, -step, by slowly doing things, the next thing outside your comfort zone. So the question I'd ask as we come into this series now is what is the next step for you as you think about what it means to do what Jesus did and advance the kingdom of God? What is the next step for you as you think about what it means to do what Jesus did and advance the kingdom of God? And so we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about the kingdom. We're going to try and keep it super practical. We're going to share stories from within this community to give us courage to increase um, our comfort zone as we do it. And we'll be inviting you to pick it up and give it a go. But this is a journey for us as a whole community as we look at what it looks like to be a people of God that advance his kingdom together. I just wanted to finish with two quick encouragements at the start of this series. Firstly this, that often kind of an, an over to you moment, you know, in a job or in an apprenticeship, is a moment where you're asked to do that job in your own strength and your own power. This is not the case with the kingdom. We do this in his authority and with his power. You know, we've been given the same authority and power that those disciples were given by Jesus. You know, the story of Pentecost, if you know, it's the moment where Jesus has gone back up into heaven and the Holy Spirit falls and fills the disciples with the power and authority to go out and live out his kingdom mission. And that's still the same for us as his followers now here in Cardiff and beyond in 2021. It's the same spirit, the power of Jesus that will fill us to give us the same authority, the authority of the king to go and advance the kingdom. We do not do this in our authority. We do this with the king's authority. That's my first encouragement. And second, that the, that the kingdom, the kingdom message we bring is wonderful. It's wonderful, it's glorious. You know, let's not forget that the kingdom message of Jesus is one of great joy and hope. You know, it's a glimpse of heaven, of what is to come. You know, look back, think of that kingdom mandate that we read out, those words from Isaiah 61 that Jesus read out and that he repeated to John. We get to do that stuff. We get to bring hope to the hopeless. The kingdom message is about bringing restoration of healing, healing up the brokenhearted. It's good news for the poor, it's good news for the downhearted, it's good news for the broken. It's a picture of where everywhere the light touches, we get to bring the light of heaven, the kingdom of heaven to earth. It's every good thing you could imagine. And so think of it this way, the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom, this is not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. It's not something that we have to do, it's something that we get to do. It's good news that we get to bring, be people that bring the good news of the kingdom. 
to the world around us, to a world that desperately needs to hear it. So as we start this series, take those two encouragements with you, that we don't do this in our own strength, we do this with his authority, the authority of the king, and that the message of the king that we're bringing is one of good news. It is glorious. This is something that we don't have to do, but advancing the kingdom is something that we get to do. We get to do this as his followers. As his followers. And just as Jesus sent his disciples out then, he is sending us out now as his disciples to go and do the stuff of his kingdom, to do what he did, to continue his kingdom mission. He calls us as his disciples to do what he did, to join with him in advancing his kingdom. And we do this with his authority and with his wonderful message. Thank you.